0: obviously there's a lot of a lot of students in there now when we would choose teams for games though um we had different ways of telling who was on which team there's the ever popular shirts and skins uh, the guys know what that is and the uh, you know you, you would go you know you would have when you were choosing teams and said like, oh you guys are skins we just always hoped that it wasn't outside and it wasn't you know 40 degrees uh when we when we did that um but it made it pretty obvious whose side you were on, you know, with shirts and skins. That's the way they did it. And also, at our school, we had uh, gym uniforms for the guys and the, and the girls. You know, the girls had those goofy little blousy things, but that's another story. Uh, the guys had shorts, and we had, it was like two T-shirts sewn together. Uh, on one side, the T-shirts, you know, one of the T-shirts was a, a bluish gray, which was our school colors. And um, the other side when you, you know, turned it out that was, it was yellow and um, that is, a, unless of course those guys who only had their uniforms washed once a year then they were kind of sometimes kind of a putrid um, morbid greenish color that was just kind of revolting with a slight orangish tint or a slight um, you know, other, yeah we did have guys who did that but uh, you know, again when they, you know you flip the shirt, in, you know you flip the shirt inside out well it wasn't inside out it was yellow side out you know you guys are yellow and you guys are the are the bluish gray ones and you could always tell you, you know you could always tell made it obvious which which team you were on now on occasion they would combine all of the, we, the our gym, our gym building was, was segregated. You would go in the main hall, which uh, it was a breezeway that connected it to the rest of the school, and uh, you went to the left was the girls' gyms, and on the right were the guys' gyms. Uh, you know, and again, there were a lot of classes, but every once in a while, they would combine all of the male classes into one huge mass in the main gymnasium, and we would play um you know bombardment or you know some you know some others uh, called it those it called by a lot of you know a lot of different names knockout uh think dodgeball but with a vengeance and uh, you you know you'll get the picture it was literally hundreds of boys in there because it was freshman through senior Plus there were several different classes, you know, of, at each level. So we had literally hundreds of boys in there. Now there was, you know, quite a few teachers also who sat up on the top of the bleachers, you know, that were shoved out to the side to make this as big as they possibly could. And um, it was, it, you know, we would, when we played this game, knockout. Now, normally what you would do, you know, they, they would put volleyballs, uh, you know, on the center line, and then, you know, you blow the whistle, run up there and get them. Now, at our school, we used golf balls because then it was, there was very little argument about who got hit part of this is made up you know but the so when you know but when <clears throat> when we would do that it was obvious who was on your team and who wasn't because generally it was the people who were throwing the balls at your head uh trying to knock you out were the were the the other team you know it was like i said it was obvious and sometimes uh, painfully obvious uh you know whether it was shirts and skins you know the, the, the blue and gray or yellow uh you know or whoever was throwing the volleyball at your head it was obvious um you know which Team you were on. Now today we're going to look at the at the book of Third John, and he gives us some information that will help us uh, to see which side someone is on—God's side or the world's side. And um, as we go through this, I think what you'll see is really—it's uh, obvious. It's obvious. Well, let's pray and we're going to get into that book. Father, thank you for your uh, word to us. And again, thank you for the opportunity to be able to share it, to be able to think about it, to be able to see what it means for us. What does it mean for us here now, uh, today? This, while it was written uh, thousands of years ago, it's really very relevant still and very much um, meaningful for us. So teach us from your word, from your truth, we pray that it would make a difference in our lives, and really for eternity's sake, we ask in Christ's name. Amen we're going to be in third john so if you're wondering where third john is go to revelation and back up and it's the book right uh you know well you have jude in there but it's just before revelation uh we're, again we're not the gospel of john this is not the gospel of john this is the third epistle the third letter of john uh, it's the shortest book in the bible in right around 200 words in the greek uh, new testament depending on which one of those you you choose it's maybe a little over 200 words but um it's a it's an actual letter it's a real letter that's written to an individual christian here that you will see in almost 2,000 years ago and yet god saw that it was important enough what was contained in it was important enough that it be in the canon of scripture that it be you know contained in in our bible here so that we could see it uh it's a personal letter address a specific situation uh that that for john and points out some things that are very obvious in the life of some people and it's still very obvious in the lives of some people even today Uh, so beginning with with me on verse one we're going to take this in smaller sections so don't close your bible or your app or whatever you have it on there first john chapter excuse me third john verse one the elder to my dear friend gaius i love you in the truth dear friend i pray that you may prosper in every way and be in good health physically just as you are spiritually For I was very glad when some brothers came and testified to your faithfulness to the truth, how you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children are walking in truth now we're going to pause there and all of the parents and grandparents can really grasp hold of that last verse there verse four no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth but again notice it's from the elder john we talked about this last week if you have questions on it you can listen a little bit to the um, message from last week it's online and Oh, you can ask the guys for a copy of it well you know but the elder there it, it seems very clear to be john the apostle john now it's specifically addressed you notice here to an individual named gaius now john addresses him as dear friend in some translations beloved it says uh, you know it's clearly somebody that he trusted and somebody that he cared deeply about now friends are important you know uh, friends are important in a lot of different levels but dear friends are even more important because we need those people we need those we need those people who know us so well and who we have such a good relationship with that we can speak into their lives and they can speak into our lives and that's what john is doing here john has such a good relationship with gaius he is speaking into gaius's life He he is showing him and telling him about some things that's going on there. Um, Proverbs 27, verse 6 says, You know, the wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive the wounds of a friend it's still not easy to hear you know jenny will tell me something if i have anyone who can speak into my life i mean in, in the most it would be it would be Jenny, my wife you know we not all husbands and wife have a relationship like that they really don't you should but some don't you know you need to be able to be able to speak into each other's life and to do it in love you know now even sometimes when she speaks into my life i don't always appreciate it you know uh you know and some of it's not so easy to hear and i try to convince her that she's wrong but sometimes she's not you know so it talks about the wounds of a friend are trustworthy you know it, some things are hard to hear but you know what i can trust what she says to me because I know that you know that she 's not just saying you know she 's not just saying stuff that you know i i, I know it's it 's trustworthy uh, you know and but the kisses of an enemy you know are are excessive here you know we 're more apt to heed the words of a friend we 're more apt to heed those words of a dear friend than if the same words you know came out of the mouth of someone that we 're not sure. Even really knows us very well. We're not even sure if they even care about us. You know those those words from a friend. Uh, you know they're important. You know it, it, now he goes on. He shows the depth and the care of concern there. It doesn't seem like John is simply throwing out platitudes. You know you know to his to his friend. He's rather expressing a deep concern and a desire in all areas. Notice he says that you may prosper in every way. You know prosper in every. He's praying that there would be nothing that slows Gaius down in his walk with Christ. That there would be nothing that slows Gaius down in his being able to live out a life that honors and glorifies God. That there would be nothing holding him back there. He says that you might prosper in every way. He says and to be in good health. Well, now that seems obvious. You know, health challenges, they they, they can slow us down, they consume our time, they consume our resources. You know, with health challenges, uh, you know, but they can also lead us into a deeper walk with God. You know, those health challenges can lead us into a deeper walk with Christ, help us to grow deeper in our relationship with Him. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, For if I want to boast, I will not be a fool, because I will be telling the truth. But I will spare you so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears from me, especially because of the extraordinary revelations. Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. Now, most people feel that what he's talking about with a thorn in the flesh here was a physical ailment, a physical thing going on there's a lot of different speculation as to what it was but there's real consensus that this thorn in the flesh was something physical you know for him that that was slowing him down he says now concerning this he says concerning this uh, i pleaded with the lord three times to take it away from me but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness therefore I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weakness, insults, catastrophes, 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 persecutions and pressures because of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, those physical things can can bring us oftentimes into a greater awareness of, of Christ and His love for us and our need for Him. It's pretty easy to be fairly independent and on your own when you're feeling good and everything's going fine. And when everything's going fine and we feel good and you know, then sometimes it's almost like God doesn't even have our attention. And here Paul says, you know, I needed that in my life. I needed that in my life so I didn't become proud. So I didn't become proud of the way that you have blessed me, Lord. He says, I needed that in my life so that I might remember, so that I might realize that it's not, it's not me and it's not my strength, but it's you and your strength, Lord. And it's as I am in you that I am strong and not on my own. Now, it's not that you know not not that we 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 don't pray about uh, things, and it's not that we do pray for problems. What it is is that we don't let those problems weaken our faith. We use those problems rather than something to knock us down, something to help us stand up and help us to open our eyes. Now he also prays, he says that his soul prospers. When I read that, it reminded me of Paul's, of part of what Paul wrote to the Ephesians, and I love this. You ever want to pray something for me? Pray this and put my name in those spots. Pray this for your spouse and put their name in this spot. For your kids, put their name in this, in these spots. I pray that he may grant you, there you go, put their name in there. Put your kid's name in there. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in the inner man through his spirit and that the messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith i pray that you being rooted and established firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width height and depth of god's love and to know the messiah's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of god that is a prosperous soul that your soul may prosper there is a great picture of it now gaius was living his faith out and as he's living his faith out his faith was an obvious part of his living and paul uh, excuse me john gets into that as he's writing to him here Uh, you know he says that others he's heard you know that from others about gaius's faith what a great testimony that others can see that others can see your faithfulness uh, to the truth of god That there's no deceit, that there's no ulterior motives, you know, no selfish desires directing us, but simply that commitment to God. Our faith is to be an obvious part of our everyday living. And I would tell you, your faith is an obvious part of your everyday living. It just may not be the way you want it to be. It might be your lack of faith that is an obvious part of your everyday living. You see, the faith is not just something that's brought out on Sundays. It's not just something that's an occasional thing. It's not something that's kept in your pocket until you need it, you know, like, like your keys, you know, and and, and uh, you know, my car keys in my pocket. Now, why? Because I don't need it. Now, I won't need it until I get out to the car. It's, you know, that's not what faith is. Faith isn't, you know, that, that key. Uh, it, it's something that's to be lived out all the time. You know, it is something that's to be obvious in your life. Now, it seems that Gaius probably came to a relationship with Christ uh, either through John's influence or at least John helped him grow in his relationship with Christ. It seems very obvious here, you know, that that's relationship there. We can, we can all help someone grow in their relationship with Christ. All of us. We can all help someone grow in their relationship with Christ. You know, not only by our example to them, but also by our need to learn more. Our need to learn more, you know, to to spur others on to growth in order to help them as, as they seek to grow. Three people who helped me grow, three people who helped me grow tremendously as a father are Marcy, Mandy, and Peter. They helped me grow tremendously as a father. When Marcy was born, I had a vague idea of what fatherhood was. I mean I had a you know a general idea and a general direction uh, you know but to, to you know to know it uh, I had to grow as a father when Marcy was born I had to grow as a father in order to father her and when Mandy and Peter came along all it really did was increase my need to grow because they all brought, they all, each one of them presented new challenges. Each one of them presented new opportunities in ways that I needed to grow as a father. We grow as we help others grow. When we help others grow, we will grow more ourselves. We, you know, to, be able to, to be able to teach someone, to be able to know enough about something to be able to teach it to them. we are forced to grow. Pick up with me, verse 5. It says, Dear friend, you are showing faithfulness by whatever you do for these brothers, especially when they are strangers. They have testified to your love in front of the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God since they set out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from pagans. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we can be co-workers with uh, co workers with the truth. You see, our care for others should be an obvious part of our lives. Our care for others, it should be an obvious part of our lives. Notice he says, you know, they weren't limiting their help only to those who were their friends. He says in verse 5 that, but you also help strangers. Now, he's probably referring here to some of those who are traveling through, uh, you know, and sharing Christ as traveling evangelists. Some who are traveling, you know, from one church to another church and, and have a, a, some type of a letter of introduction. And it seems that this is quite possibly what part of the purpose of this letter was. You know, but, but here those, they weren't known to them. And he says there in verse 6, he says, to, to help them in a manner worthy of God. When you help people, help them in a manner worthy of God. Not according to our desires, but according to their needs. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, not according to our frustration, but in a manner worthy of God. I don't know if you heard what I said there. Not according to your frustrations, but in a manner worthy of God. You want to know the biggest lesson for me as a father? The biggest lesson for me as a husband? The biggest lesson for me as a pastor? As a neighbor? Was not to respond from my frustration. But to respond from my love for God you want to check in your spirit you pray for that that God will help you not to respond from your frustration but in your love for your kids not to respond from your frustration but in your love for your wife Not to respond from your frustration, but in your love for God. Help them in a manner worthy of God. Don't respond from frustration and anger. Respond in a manner worthy of God. you know our, our support Verse 8, he talks about you know coming alongside you know th- th- that we can be co-workers with the truth our, you know our support <coughs> our support really makes us co-workers with them allowing them to minister in a freer in a freer way you know be co-workers with the truth co-workers with the truth you know th- this is right in line with the call that, that we looked at last week in 2 John. You know, not to help false teachers. You don't help false teachers. Why? Because you're coming alongside them as co-workers when you do that. He says don't do that. You know, you come alongside, you help those who are called in sharing the truth about Jesus. You know, don't help those who are sharing falsehood about Jesus. Help those, that's what he talks about in 2 John, help those who are sharing the truth about Jesus. You know, come along, be co-workers with the truth. Not with falsehood, but with the truth. Pick up with me. Verse 9. I wrote something to the church. Uh, I I love these names. But... uh, diastrophes as you know i was saying this to myself back and forth we're going to get to demetrius in a minute and i don't want to get the two mixed up uh, i wrote something to the church but Biotre, but diatrophes ah, there's his name uh, who loves to have first place among them did not, does not receive us this is why if i come i will remind him of the works that he is doing slandering us with malicious words and he is not satisfied with that He not only refuses to welcome the brothers himself, but he even stops those who wants to do so and expels them from the church. Now, you know, whether we realize it or not, our ambition is obvious. You know, our ambition is obvious. What we are striving for, what we are working toward, you know, the, you know you know what we're working for a desire to have first place you know this is what he says you know that a problem was a desire for first place and a desire for first place among the people it's a sign it's a sign of pride not you know not of service it's a sign of pride you know part of true christianity is giving first place to god not striving for it ourselves Or to be giving first place to God, not working for to have first place for ourselves, but to have God in first place. When John the Baptist was ministering, he preceded Christ, and he had a strong, he had a growing ministry, and many, it says, were coming out and flocking to see him as he was preaching. This man, you know, from the come out from the wilderness, and uh, he had this ministry going, and it was growing, it was strong, and Jesus comes along. And, you know, John's disciples wanted John to push for a greater ministry. They wanted him to, you know, to do all he could to have even his greater ministry, almost as if they were in competition with Christ. And then John told his disciples, he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. It's not that John was going to do less. It's that John was going to lift up Jesus more. It's that he was going to make Jesus more obvious than himself. Paul wrote to the Colossians. He said he is also speaking of Christ. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. So that Jesus, so that in our life, Jesus might come to have first place in everything. You know, now there are some people who feel that they have to question everything. Don't be that person. You know, don't be that person. You know, a person like that makes it harder for leaders to lead. People like that are anchors holding, holding the church back and holding things back, and they actually make it harder for a church to thrive. Don't be that type of person. You know, Diotrephes was that kind of person. Don't be that kind of person. Some ways that you can tell what type of person you are, you know, it, w- look, you know, are you one that uh, Diotrephes here was hindering the work. He was even keeping people, you know, he w- when people would, would step up to help, uh, he, was, he was chastising them. You know, are, are you one who is hindering the work or helping the work? You know, how do you, you one way you want to, how do you talk about the leaders of the church? You know, it, it, could it be considered malicious talk? This is what the atrophies was doing. He was, his, it was malicious talk. Are you stopping others from serving? You know, are you slowing them down? Are you not helping with the work yourself? You know, it's not only what we're saying about others, but what are you doing? Are you, are you helping with the work yourself? I get a lot of comments. You know, Kent and I both do. We get a lot of comments on how you know, we should be doing things or how we could improve some things that we're doing. Now, we all have room for improvement, you know, and trust me, I don't have all the answers. I have probably more questions than you do. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm not saying that I have all the answers, but, you know. But there are, there are those who always question and always suggest. You know, they'll always make suggestions to us. All, what we hear from them all, always are questions or suggestions. But we also have some of those who come to us and they have questions and suggestions and offer to do something about it. Who come and say they come and say, you know, I've seen this need. May I do this to help meet that need? And we have people, you know, we have people in our church who say, You know, I see that you're doing such and such. Here's what I can do to help with that it's great you know because we get those comments we have those people in church you know we have those comments and questions you know uh, you even just this last week you know the last couple of weeks i could think of a couple very specific incidents where people came and they said i see you're doing this here's how i can help can i can i do this part for you and in some regards they're making it better than we could on our own you know, they're making it better than we can on our own. There, there's, you know, there's a huge difference there. There's, you know, there's someone who's helping. You know, be that type of person. Be that type of person. You know, make your, make your obvious ambition to serve God as best as you can. Make that your obvious, you know, your obvious ambition. Diotrephes' obvious ambition was to lift himself up as number one. Make your obvious ambition to lift God up as number one, to serve Him. Pick up with me again, verse 11. We're going to finish this letter out today. Dear friends, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God, and the one who does evil has not seen God. Again, I just want to point out to you, there are two choices There is no sitting on the fence. If you think you're sitting on the fence, you know, as a Christian, you're not. You are either for God or you're against God. You are either going toward Him or you're getting further away from Him. There is none of this sitting on the fence. There is no holding area. You know, you you imitate what is evil or what is good. You know, you, you do what is good and you're of God. You do what is evil. You're not from God. Verse 12, Demetrius, who has a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. And we also testify for him, and you know that our testimony is true. See, this is the part where it seems that, that this is a letter introducing Demetrius. Uh, that is probably who carried the letter, and as he's giving it to Gaius, introducing him. Verse 13, I have many things to write to you, uh, but I don't want to write to you with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be with you. The friends send you greetings. Greet the friends by name. Our character is obvious. Maybe not to us, but trust me, your character is obvious to others. He says in verse 11, he lays out those, those two examples of ways to be. And we, we all have the examples, you know, we all have these two examples of ways to be and ways to be in the church and as part of the church. Those who make things more difficult, like the atrophies, or those that come alongside and make things easier, like Demetrius we all have those those two examples here you know now we're not told to imi- we're, we are are told not to imitate those who are evil he says you know those who make things harder he says rather follow what is good follow what is good now you know we may think we don't imitate others but we all do what you do you is is because you saw other people do it you know that may break your heart you're not an original in that regard uh, you know what, what you what what you are doing is because you've seen other people other people do it. Now think of it this way, you know, be influenced by what is good, and resist the influence toward evil. See, be influenced by what is good and resist the influence toward you know toward what's evil. You know, step up, do those things which will help people grow, which will help people draw closer to God. Avoid those things that are really just your preferences. Avoid those things which are really simply your preferences and do not help people draw closer to God. You know, mainly they're more about you and your way than they are about God and his way. He says, Demetrius here was a good example to follow. Look for good examples. Look for good examples. Those who, who who can help you grow in your relationship with Christ Jesus. Look for those examples. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Look for those who will be good examples. Not so that you can be like them. So that you can be more like Jesus. You know, more like the one they obviously follow. You know, look for those good examples. Look for good examples and be a good example. Your kids and your grandkids will have, will, will have many, many of your opinions, of your thoughts, of your actions, sometimes to your embarrassment. I was talking with a guy yesterday and his son was standing right there. And um, as we were talking, some of the things that came out of this guy's mouth, and I thought, you'd smack that kid if he talked this way, if he used those words. Then I heard from another friend of not too long ago, something their kid said, which was... Uh, wildly off color and they said i must use that phrase too much are you i think yeah, they you are know, going to they're going to be more like you your kids your grandkids they're gonna they're gonna have many of your opinions many of your likes many of your dislikes many of your habits you know And somewhere, somewhere in the realm of your existence, you are the very best Christian someone knows. Somewhere in the realm of your existence, somewhere with your context that you have, whether it's at work, whether it's in your neighborhood, whether it's somewhere else in your family, you are the very best Christian someone knows. Are you the type of Christian? Do you want them to be the type of Christian you are? You see so when we're talking about you know you follow what is good, you look for good examples and then you be that good example. when you look for them and you follow them and then, and then you know you you do you you go to be the very best you can be. Some people are learning what it means to be a Christian you know by what is obvious in you be that good example make your faith obvious you know it's, uh, because it's it's it, it's so important that it's directing your life this is what it's talking about there be obvious verse 13 and 14 he gets into what we talked about more last week we're not going to hit it too much this week you know don't inter- underestimate the importance of your presence your presence is vital You know, don't underestimate the importance of being with others. You know, you you need to be with others. Even if you're an introvert, somewhere, you know, somewhere, you know, along the line, even if you're a loner, you connect with people. Connect face to face. And I like the way that he, you know, that he draws this, that he draws us to a conclusion. Peace be with you. Peace be with you, you know. Peace is when you are so influenced by your relationship with God, you know, that your relationship with Christ is obvious because you live it every day. It's not necessarily calm circumstances, but it's the fact that my relationship with Christ is so affecting my life that even in those lousy circumstances, I have the sureness of my relationship with Christ. And again, it's not that you don't react. It's not that you don't respond. It's that you react and respond from your relationship with Christ. And he says, "Greet the friends by name." You know, using somebody's name when you speak to them, it communicates. You know, communicates that that, that, that they're noticed, that they cared about, that you know, that they matter. Greet people by name. It's a good habit to develop. Well, look at your look at your outline there. You know, what's obvious in you shows what side you're on, and your faith is obvious. Your faith is obvious. It may not be as strong as you want it to be, but it is obvious. You know, your faith or your lack of faith. Your care for others. Your ambition. They are all obvious. Those areas in in which you strive for. Strive to make it obvious that you have a relationship with Christ. Try to make it obvious that you are on his team. That you are following his lead. Work to make your relationship with Christ obvious. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, those who have gone before us in such a manner that we could see that you are real. And in such a manner that we can see that you matter. And in such a manner that we could see that you care about us as well. The world is pulling at us. Our desires are pulling at us. And they're not pulling us toward you They're pulling us toward ourself, toward the values of this world. And oftentimes they can run extremely contrary to you and who you are. So I ask that you would uh, guide us to be so obvious in our relationship with you that others will see us reflecting your glory. That when they see our good works... They will praise you, our Father in heaven. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.